Welcome to episode 46 of the Faces of the Future podcast. It's your boy Mills. Your boy Moose. As you see, Shan not here today, but we're going to keep it rocking for him, man. What you been up to, Tope? Nothing, yo. Honestly, just been working. End of the year stuff. Trying to get 2021 planned out. Trying to make a big return in the creative scene, you feel me? So, got some things planned, got some things coming. What you, what you got coming? What you got planned for, for 2021? Like, what's, what's in, the, what's in the, uh, the line of sight for you in the... For the for the new year, it's just that just showing everybody what I see of the world. I think that like, I think that twenty, I think the century is going to be a really big one for creatives. Um, because I think that, I think that a lot of people are now trying to showcase their creativity and showing what type of um other talents they have. So I think that it's like, for me, it was all about timing and trying to get myself right. So I think that now. I think that now that like I have my vision and what I want to give to the world, um, I think that I'll be able to do that efficiently, do that effectively. So I got some things coming up, got some couple projects I've been thinking about doing. So yeah, I know I've been trying to get you back in your creative bag for a minute now. You feel me? Because you you always had the eye for like the creative side. It's just um, now it's just got to put that battery in your bag to make sure. Make sure you just getting those creative visions out there to the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it's just like I see a like it, it's really it's really weird how like I see things. Um, I would say that I don't know how to explain it. Um, for people who don't know, I like doing photography. Um, I'm also going to do videography as well. Um, one of the things I realized that like for me, I'm influenced by like a lot of music, obviously art and like other things as well. And so for me, what I realized is that when I do do things like listen to music, I see art, like primarily when I listen to music, I see a lot of, I see a lot of sounds. It's weird. It's weird how to explain it. Like I see colors, you know what I mean? Like certain songs, I could see colors and like, okay, we could do this for this, you know, okay. Say you want to listen to like Chief Key, for example, like. I would see certain things when it comes to certain songs. It mm-hmm. just gives me ideas to like put down on like put in like a camera or like put down in like a video or something like that. So I think it's just really interesting. I think I have like a lot of things that like I've been cooped up in the back of my head for a while. So I think it's time to just show it and just do it. So what, what, what you saying like you see colors, you kind of can like match like palettes and color schemes to like certain songs like that you will put in a music video or, or whatever it may be or a photo shoot, not just a music video, but a photo yeah. shoot or, or even just like some creative direction for like branding for like artists or other creatives and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think that like, for me, I'm, I like film a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting how they shoot film because what people don't know is that when they do shoot film, a lot of times it's really in two colors, yeah. or two primary colors. And a lot of times those colors, depending on the cinematography of the film or the show or whatever you're watching, it tells it tells more than what you're seeing. So, like, I guess a famous example would be um, Insecure, that episode where um, Issa and Lawrence went on their date after they broke up. Yeah. And when you saw the colors, when you saw how the colors shifted for the cinematography, mm-hmm. you kind of saw how... I think Lawrence was in the Lawrence was red, and I think Issa was blue, or was vice versa, one of them, and it kind of represented how they were feeling. Well, I think I think with Insecure, the the color scheme was based on the status of like their relationship, and like when they, when yeah. things were going when things were going good, it was like I think it was like blue, it was like a certain color or whatever. Yeah. And then things was like when they were like an argument, like the whole color scheme of like yeah, it may not have been like red all the way, but the but vibe, but the, the yeah. you see the you see the vibrant like reds like popping out in the in the, in the images, things like that, and like. 
like you just saying a lot of the, to the average watcher of shows, they probably don't catch things like that. But like yeah. me and you, we like on the creative side, we see like different color schemes. Like, oh, this happens when only when this happens, or or this type of color pops up when they're in this type of mood. Exactly. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like we as creatives, we see like film, we see music in like a different spectrum than than average person yeah because i think people don't understand like people don't understand like there's a process to like making music or there's a process to like making uh a film or anything of that nature like when people go into their creative bags like they have a process of what they do of how they write how they film um what shots they need like everybody has a distinct style of what gets them into a specific place you know so like i was watching like um hype williams for example Hype Williams has a distinct. One of my favorite. One of my he favorite has a distinct. Directors. He has a very, very distinct style. You know what I mean? And it's like even if he didn't put his his name in a music video, you would know it's a Hype Williams music video mm-hmm. just based on how he shoots. That like fishbowl type type lens that he yeah. uses, like when and he's more like up close and personal in a sense. And yeah, I, I feel as though like when it comes to those, what do you call them? Isolated shots, which is yeah. one one individual, two individuals, whatever it be, and it's like. You know that's like that's like his stamp almost. I guess you could say his shots are very his shots are very very clean. Everything like like you said, everybody has a standout in in the music video. Like if you look at all of the lights, for example, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't when people look at it. It wasn't like the super most creative video. Like say, um, like your lyrical lemonade, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's more so like you understand his style. He likes clean, classic shots. He likes classic movements. You know what I mean? And he likes very, very standard, traditional things, and he makes it look good. You know, so like looking at like, like I said, going to all of the lights. He has that. He uses very, very basic transitions. But the thing is with him, he uses it in a way that people don't think about. So that's how when people see it, it's like, a, okay, I see why he did this there. I see why he did this. You know. So I think like just going back to that, like you just have to know your style. Um, I'm trying to work into getting into my style, but I think that like my process and how I do move and how I do go into creating art, I think that like I'm ready to like actually execute that. So, so let me ask you this: So, who are some of the like your I guess you would say directors that you? Not gonna say model your your model your um visions after or, or your creations after but directors that you kind of like learn from in a sense um one is definitely hype williams um i like how i like his shots because i like clean shots i like for me everything's about lines and how everything just looks if things look clean and crisp when you're making a shot it's easier for people to appreciate it you know what i mean and for me like i take from Kind of like hype ones, I take it from a very, very classical film perspective, you know? Like, I like a lot of those clean shots, a lot of those, like, very, very wide, wide shots, somebody moving, walking, things of that nature. I like those kind of shots because once you add other things, once you can add other things to it, once I add, like, my own twist to it, it'll look really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Another person that I'm, that I would aspire to be is Christopher Nolan. Um, I think, like, Christopher Nolan's probably, like, one of the greatest directors, producers, storytellers like ever like he knows how to tell a story with a lens he knows how to tell he knows how to just basically execute what he's seeing onto film like i didn't never got i didn't get to see tenet yet but just looking at how he shot tenet was great inception is one of like my top three favorite oh, yeah, inception movies is ridiculous yeah so it's just i like, forget some i forget who told me inception was was um was like a top five movie for them, and I just gave them like a hard time. And then I rewatched it. I'm like, okay, Inception is really like that. Yeah, Inception is really, 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 really good. And I think that like when you understand what he was doing, just just even in terms of shots, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He he showed very very simple concepts through how he shot. Like when you look at the concept of time, even with Tenet, I haven't seen it yet, but I know that the way that he probably shows some of his shots shows a lot of things about time. But using Inception, for example, like how he had towards the end when they went. For this is a spoiler for anybody who didn't watch, but it's been like six, six, seven years. So at this point, it's whatever. But it's just like there ain't no spoiler. Yeah. There ain't no. You say you should have been seen that. Movie. Yeah, when they go to when they go to get the documents from um the guy's brain. Yeah, like when they were in the dream inside the dream inside, inside the, the dream. dream, and it's like everything was slowed down from like a standpoint of like fifteen seconds to like you have like twenty four hours from like three, four, five, six dreams. Yeah, and it's like at that point you see like when a car is moving, you have water coming in, or you have the people inside the dream uh-huh. moving, and it's yeah. like. Him showing those shots, even from the background of how you're doing those shots, is impressive, and it's something that I would definitely love to aspire does he, does to. Does he do. have like BTS footage of, of like them shooting the, that film out? Like, I, that's something I would like to see, like them the process of them like making those those specific scenes. You yeah, know definitely, I mean? there should be because he has there's definitely there's background footage, um, behind the scenes footage for um, the Dark Knight, um, so he definitely should have them. Um, I honestly haven't watched them, but me just looking at Inception. And just knowing how Cause, film works, I just know that a lot of those shots were ridiculous. Because because Inception in general, um, just like every time they 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 jumped into a new dream, it was just like they had to come up with a new. Um, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to explain it. They had to come up with a new, not not um, time time lapse, but I know what you mean. But yeah. like the way they shot it, it had to be like you said, slow down. I guess you could say in a sense because each dream went slower and slower and slower because of the time frame, which yeah. meant, but. Then they would like zoom back into the other dream, like go yeah, reverse back in, yeah. the, and it would almost be confusing. Like you'd be like, "Oh, I thought it was in, you were in this this dream, but you were in a whole other dream. You forgot." Like even as a watch, as a as a viewer of the movie, it was just like you got lost within it at some points in time. It was just crazy. It was my it, if you weren't paying attention, you, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, that. you wouldn't understand. Like the first time I watched it, I was confused as hell. Yeah, no, that's. I had to watch it a couple movie. times. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a it's a confusing movie if you're just watching it for like leisure but like if you go there and you watch it you're like damn like just one just looking how he brought in the concept of time and how he broke down how things are just even inside your mind and just even concept of time concept of dreams things of that nature space all that it was just very very impressive to me you know and then just even looking at it from a standpoint of just him being able to just break down simple concepts and showing them mm-hmm. through his camera is ridiculous and it's just I, as someone that I definitely would aspire to be in terms of like just shooting film, for example. So he, he's real, real impressive. I think I think there should be like more film and creative classes in, in the high school realm for sure. In, in my opinion, I know I know it's starting to become a thing. I know I know our our high school they they've added like those type of yeah. classes in there, but I feel like. There should be more. There should be more spaces for young creatives to learn those type of things. Do you, Do you feel like you should have to go to film school to, or do you think you need to go to film school to um, be productive in that industry, or do you think it could be like some, some how some people go on different routes, like whether it's like the music industry or, or sports, or whatever it may be? You take internships and you just learn from the greats like firsthand and just pick up on things. I don't think any of the movie brats, and who, for people who don't know who the movie brats are, that's um, George Lucas. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, there was like a class of people. The people like the George Lucases of the world who created Star Wars. I'll use him as an example. George Lucas did not go to school for film. He went to a community college. Mm-hmm. I think like after like a semester or two, he ended up just um 
he ended up just working under somebody and he ended up making Star Wars. Star Wars was not successful at first. People did not want to buy Star Wars. And then he found somebody, pitched the idea, he sold it, now we have Star Wars. Yeah, and Star and, Wars is like the yeah. biggest brand, movie brand of all time. Yeah, so it's just like, you don't need to go, but I think a lot of people who do go to school to study film either end up being, they end up being like a cameraman for like any type of industry. They could be like a B-roll cameraman or anything of that nature, or they just end up working the main camera but i don't think like you need to go to film school to be a director or to have a vision i don't think i don't think ryan i mean ryan kugler after the fact went to film school but i think when he first started off he wasn't even i was reading i was reading like a little article about him if y'all don't know who ryan kugler is he he directed um fruitville station black panther and and a number of other movies creed Mm -hmm. um he started off because he was a student athlete i'm pretty sure and then his i guess i think it was like his english or literature teacher told him yo you should go to film school like your writing ability is ridiculous he's real real and then he tapped in i I forget where he went to where he went to um, film school and then after that it took off and he was talking about how fruitville station they gave him the smallest budget possible and like even and it's crazy how even like in those industries the disparities and budgets like when it comes to like I hate bringing up race and things, but like when it comes to race and like different directors, it's like it's a substantial difference in the amount of budgets they get when it comes to creating movies. Oh yeah, not nah, for sure. Um, like, I read this article like years ago. Um, a lot of movie producers really do not give proper funding to films unless they see white people in it. Like, yeah, there was like a specific quote that said there was a director who wanted to make a film and they were like, "We need diversity." But diversity, mm-hmm. we mean white people. And that's the only reason why they got the budget. And it's just interesting because it's like in, in this time where it's like we're we're in a... Not, let me not even say time. Just even the fact of like we're in this generation of how we see how black people are creative and how black people essentially are the... They're the batteries that cre- that run the entertainment industry, essentially. Yeah. It's just crazy how it's like you can't even fund a film that doesn't have to do with... Outside of slavery, slavery movies, the whole um, the concept of seeing a black person in pain, you won't. It's crazy how most white producers won't film a film that just has to do with black people, and it's ridiculous. Um, I think that needs to change too. Why do you Why do you think like there's that stigma that like black led movies won't sell? Um, because a majority, a lot of the consumers in this country are white. Like, you're not gonna go. You're not gonna go and watch the photograph if you're a white person unless you really, really like Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. You're not gonna go and watch a um you're not gonna watch an Ava DuVernay movie unless you're really a fan of film. But you know what just, I mean? Just to rebuttal that, I mean, I won't even say it's the case all the time though, because you got movies like Friday, Boys Look like cla- like classics that like are cultural and like everybody for the most part, a lot of people watch those. And they're and they're and they're high selling movies. Yeah, but I also think it's from a standpoint of those movies also have some type of stereotypes in it where it's like you look at Friday, yeah, niggas in the hood. You know what I mean? You have a lot of different boys in the hood. We already know what that's about. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And it's like even Tyler Perry movies. Like most of those films, you most hate of those films, Tyler Perry yeah. movies. I already know. Yeah, it's just like it all re- reinforce a certain stereotype that people are accustomed to. That's why slavery movies are okay. What's the, what's the what's the stereotype you think that's that's it's that's just, everybody's accustomed to as if we want to get into it. It's just a stereotype of just one seeing African Americans in the struggle, seeing mm-hmm. African Americans um or black women essentially being loud or being um or ratchet or being ghetto or, you know, having some type of struggle. You know, we don't really a lot of times we don't see a lot of movies where you genuinely see black people who are successful. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when we do see them, it's it's not even people will go and watch it, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a primary movie that white people will go and watch. Yeah. You know? So it's like because even because even in um, what was the movie Temptation? Yeah. When the boy was successful, and then the day you found out he gave it gave the June what eight, HIV yeah, or whatever HIV, it might be, yeah. it's like a whole you, a dude successful living living life, and then come to find out you got that still. Oh, he's he has yeah. this. He has a disease. It's like you never can just be great in the movie, whatever exactly. it may be, and it's like. And it's like, I think that, and I think that goes to show how we look at African Americans today. Is like there always has to be something associated with them, good or bad. Like even with Jay Z, as big as he is now, like they're always going to associate with him as like, okay, yeah, he used to sell drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to be a rapper. He used to be on the street. You know, same thing with Meek Mill. Same thing with the Nicki Minaj's, or the Rick Beyonce's, Ross, whatever yeah. it may be. Like they're all associated with some type of negative stigma, and we can never ever just be black and be successful and even if we are we're not really known do you think do you think there's any way for us to get away from that stigma like if if it is how so how can we get away from that stigma if 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 you want to really like think about it because like you said there there is that stigma no matter what we do there everybody's always looking for some type of baggage to come along like oh he's successful but yeah. there has to be something and then when they when they really can't find something they try to create something i mean we just really got to build our own like i say this all the time i've said this before in the podcast like we have we have a whole continent we don't invest in. Um, we have a lot of different we have a lot of different avenues where we're relying too much on um, white people to bring us our money instead of just being African Americans and fund our own. Like I was just thinking about it the other day. Like there's no reason why Revolt TV is not bigger than what it is now. Is Revolt even still making content right now? They have State of the Culture or whatever, but that's just about it. But it's like Have they dropped anything from State of the Culture uh, recently? That's what I'm trying to say. Like what has Revolt been doing that's lately? The, that's, that's my thing. Because State of the Culture is a is, is a very, very, very good show, in my opinion. But yeah. in the same light, I was mad when, when they allowed like I'm not saying they allowed, but they let Scotty Beam get away because I feel like she was a very pivotal outspoken person in that in, in, in that show, in my opinion. I'm a fan of her. Just yeah, basically no. she 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 has an unbiased unfiltered opinion about a lot of stuff that a lot of people won't say. I think I think what the problem comes in is that you can have an unfiltered opinion. Like, I have an unfiltered opinion all the time, but it's yeah. like, there's a way how you present your unfiltered opinion. Not saying you have to filter your unfiltered opinion, but your delivery needs to be filtered. Like, you can't... Uh, I mean, I think it just depends. It depends on what you're talking about. I mean, I mean, I put it like this. If, if we talk about racism, or we talk about white supremacy... We talk about a lot of the things that go on in this country. I just say it how it is. I'm not always going to be angry about it. I'm not always going to show my emotion about it. But that's just I just explain to you what it is. You know what I mean? And I think that sometimes it's like what happens is even with how Joe Budden is, Joe Budden, either, Joe Budden only acts out on his podcast. You know what I mean? Like he's You think very, so? Only on his, I won't say only on his Not podcast. Not only on his bro. podcast, but in a sense of Joe is unapologetically himself. Yeah, but Joe shows his emotion more on his podcast than he would on a Revolt TV because you it's not his so? platform. I mean, yeah, to an extent, but at the same time, like even on Revolt, I've seen him be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like, yeah, no. Like if, if Jinx will say some crazy, he'll look at him like, "Jinx, well, I don't know, like I don't agree with that." Or somebody else on or Remy or something like that says something crazy, he'll be like, "No, like what are you talking like? Nah, like." But that it's a what the hell are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about, Jinx? Versus a shut the fuck up, Rory. You know yeah, what I mean? I, mean it's like, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's sense, like but... it's like he like I put it like this. Let's look at for 
let's look at his lot his episode where he was talking about logic's last episode. He was talking about retiring. He was talking about logic was talking about how Joe Budden made him made him feel, right? Yeah, I remember that episode. I don't yeah. Joe Budden would never say half of that stuff that he said in those five minutes on State of the Culture. Well, because it's Diddy's network. I mean, yeah, it's Diddy's network, but also at the same time, it's like more people when people watch TV, you there's a certain thing that people look for when they're watching TV. Like they're not looking for TV MA all the time. Or they're not looking for realism on TV. People, I think, in my opinion, I think people watch TV to watch the news, which is negativity, or they Super watch negative. or they watch something to get away from reality. Yeah, yeah. Cartoons, TV shows, all that stuff. So my thing is that if Joe Budden were to go in there and be as real as possible about how logic is and his opinion on logic, hit one, I think that his brand would take a hit because people people feel like you have to have a, act a certain way on TV. And two, I think that for him, I just don't think that, yeah, I just think that that's really I disagree. It. I don't think his brand would take a hit because... So many people tune into his podcast, they already know what time it is with him. So it's like, even if he's on a different platform acting out, it's like, they know that by this this point in time and a point in, in Joe's in Joe's career, not to not to speak on what he's doing or anything, but that is his brand. Being an unapologetic, he's gonna tell how it is. If he don't, if if he's right, he's right. He's wrong, he's wrong. And if he's wrong, he's gonna tell you. He'll he'll accept the fact that he's wrong and he'll he'll apologize for whatever me being or tell you he's wrong. But at the, at the moment, at that moment in time, he's gonna be real about how he feels about the situation. I think that you're right, and I think that was my second point. I think the second problem with it would be, I think, is a demographic. Like there's a younger, like he can go on podcasts because younger people listen to podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Like but his, I don't think his demographic is such a bunch of young people though. I think it's a lot of people that are his age that are like. They want to say this type of shit, but they can't say it. But so he has, let's say hypothetically, he has the 16 year olds to the 40 year olds, right? I would say 45 and up probably don't listen to Joe Budden for hip hop takes or any type of media takes. And I think that if somehow, some way they just so happen to go on Revolt TV and saw him screaming or going off the way he does in his podcast, they would look at him and they would be taken aback. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if I, uh, Agree like that, in my opinion, just because so many of the older hip hop heads that like even just call to the show or say they're fans of the show, or whatever it may be, are older than him. Get me? Because he's only what, like 39, 40? Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of artists in the game that are older than him that tune into what he's doing. They might not publicly say it, but they're tuned in. You got, because you got, you got to give his flowers when flowers are due. He, 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 he's a very, he's a very distinct person in, in the culture, I guess you could say. And it holds weight what he says. Yeah, His, what he fact. says holds weight. So if he says something, people are going to hear about it and they're going to automatically tune in, in my opinion. I feel as though his demographic is a little higher than what you think it is as opposed to being lower. But I think that's basing it off the music industry, not necessarily like, I'm talking about I'm talking about a random family who's not tuned into hip-hop culture that just so happens to go on the TV. Okay. Like, that, that, talking, change, that changes yeah, a little bit. If we're bit, talking yeah. about the hip-hop culture, yeah, I agree, but we also got to understand that like a lot of people are not tuned, like older demographics are not tuned into hip hop culture. And if people around his age are tuned in, it's because their kids are tuned in. Okay. Do you, mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you this: like, just speaking on like just being real and being um, I guess you want to call it unapologetic, or not even just unapologetic on, on things you say on TV. Let's tap into like what Jamel Hill was talking about when she had what Jake Paul on her, on her 
on her on her show with who's her co-host? I forget her name. I don't know. I don't even know the co-host, but she like one of the one of the things she asked Jake Paul was it racist to knock out Nate Robinson? I was just like, huh? She Jamel Hill is very ingenuous. Like my problem and (sighs) Jamel Hill is becoming very very ingenuine, and she's she's following trends. Yeah, that made her who she is. She got fired from ESPN for saying what she said. I don't even remember what she said at this point. But it's like since then, it's like she's been trying to follow trends of racism or like things that have to do with race for her to stay relevant. And so for me, why that makes me upset is because now it's at a point now you're on you're you're on TV, you're on Vice TV, and you're just saying things that wouldn't even be able to translate to real life. It's like there are certain jokes on Twitter that you can say because it's the internet, it's Twitter. Mm-hmm. But you can't go out and say and ask somebody in sports because they box somebody, even if you're trolling, oh, was that racist that you knocked him yeah, out? Yeah, she was trying to, I feel, I feel like she was trying to get him caught up, but like, I mean, obviously he's he's he's, he's trained for like PR and things like that. Yeah. Like, like, but but it just felt forced. Like she's trying to like be something she's not one. And then like you said, chasing trends, I just really don't like it. At all. I, I personally don't like it. Like, before I try to like, nah, she's just doing a job, whatever it may be. But her and what's the other boy's name? Jason uh, Whitlock. Yeah, I don't like Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock is so fucking stupid, bro. He's so like, I don't understand how. I understand people like Skip Bayless yeah. who stick to sports, and you're you're really just getting paid to be a contrarian. I understand that, right? But I don't understand when it doesn't even seem like. You don't even know what you're being contrary about. Like you're just being contrary for no reason. Yeah, it's like it doesn't even seem like you're really you don't even believe half the stuff you're saying. You know what I mean? Because we know how Skip Bayless is, at least we at least he looks believable. Yeah. He looks believable. Jason Whitlock doesn't look believable when he says half the stuff he says. It's like you'll go on his Twitter and you'll just see nonsense. And it's just like, yo, what are you saying? You know what I mean? Like when he like when he brings up things about like LeBron James and how he's being like he's chasing fads or he's trying to do different things and he's trying to be some type of person he's not it's like it's not even like you're not even understanding the context of what lebron is doing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like lebron is not like obviously yeah lebron is doing this for the people but he's doing this also because he's been put in a position where he didn't have some of the stuff that he's doing now you know what i mean so it's like i don't get people like jason whitlock i don't get people like jamel hill who do things and judge african-americans and try to like be a contrary and be a a real voice for I guess the do you, do you the think liberal they, the black liberal or the black conservative? Do you think they just try to say stuff for clickbait? Yes. All right, so let me ask you this: When is being controversial being too controversial? Like, oh, bring let's just jump right into the clubhouse situation where they said what they say: black black men are the white people of black people. And that, and, and that in itself is very controversial. That's a very controversial statement. You see, the the problem the problem with it is that it is controversial. But the problem really is is that it's not controversial if it makes sense. Like if you're really good enough with your words, people will believe you. Yeah. Like I remember when that post first started going around, and I seen like a lot of black girls um, reposting that on Instagram, re- reposting it on Twitter, and I'm looking, I'm like. Y'all not y'all not doing this in the middle of August when we just when we were just protesting for a whole one two months after after we just watched George Floyd get killed the way that he got killed. We're right. not doing this 
after we just watched Ahmaud Arbery get chased down like it was 1954. Right. right. Like, and then to sit here and say that and now compare black men to say that we have some sort of privilege, right? The same privilege as white men, it, it, like. Let me ask you this. What was, what was your initial reaction when you first saw it? Like, when you first. Cause when I first went to, I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "What the hell is this? What the hell is this?" When I first saw it, I was like, "What is this?" So I, you know, what I'm saying, I naturally tapped in because that's what they want you to do with that title. They want you to click in and to see what the conversation's about. You feel me? And I was taken aback by it first. I was like, "All right, let me not maybe just clickbait." You know, you know us. We we know what stuff is clickbait yeah. for. We want people to jump in, whatever it may be. But when I dove into the conversation, it was just like sitting in the room and just listening to what everybody was saying. It was like, "All right, this is like an attack on us." Yeah. As black men in general, not saying not not unvalidating anything that people people's experiences what they're saying like when they came across black men whatever it may be, but it felt almost as though they were putting us in a position as we're the reason why our community is not where it's supposed to be, and I just I, I low-key felt a way about it because one like you just said how can we personally be compared to a white person when we've never had any privilege that the white person had. Yes, they tried to they they said, oh, we're at we're at the top of the spectrum when it comes to the hierarchy or whatever that means, you know what I'm saying? Whatever that means in in in, in, in the black community. And then another thing that came to my head was just like when someone jumps up in the conversation, like when I forget her name, she um a, a black woman jumped up and disagreed with what the mass majority of the rest of the people in the chat were saying and they just attacked her like it was a cult. I was just like Whoa! How how do you expect to have a have a um, constructive conversation about the way you're feeling and, and ways to to push the the community forward if you're gonna just attack people and they disagree with you? Because that because the point is not to ha- the point is not to have a conversation to move forward. The 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 objective is to continue to express your bitterness, and that's really the problem. Um. My problem when I saw all of it, the first time I ever saw it, I was like, yo, y'all sound really, 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 excuse my language, but y'all sound really, really fucking stupid. And like, like you just sound really, really dumb. Imagine you go out, you protested, you were protesting about Black Lives Matter, you were protesting saying that, oh, Ahmaud Aubrey shouldn't be killed like that, George Floyd shouldn't be killed like that, right? We saw what happened to Tamir Rice. We've seen what happened to Trayvon Martin. We've seen what happened to Alton Sterling. We've seen what happened to all these black men. These are just black men we know nationally not to mention all the other stuff that has happened right you see what happens with police brutality you've seen what happened to sandra bland right and then now you now put up a post that's yeah and it's like you put up this post and say oh yeah black men have privilege like white men why how like think like think about this right um there's a book called women as minority group right and basically this book explains um some of the ways feminism well not feminism well some of the ways people women white women um explain how they were minority group and explain their oppression do you know who was used as a reference who black men black men were the black men were the reference as to how white women were oppressed in american white women were oppressed in american society and so for me looking at this right and understanding that as a black man we were treated lesser than nothing we got beat we got essentially stolen from our land. Use as examples. Yeah. 
yeah, we, yeah. And this is just, exi- like, this is just things that we know. This is just things that we think that we know, right? And now we're in a community now where they put cracks in our neighborhood. They tested us, put AIDS in our community, other things in our community. The war on drugs, you have, what else? You have redlining, you have gentrification, all these things that were affecting black men. When we look at the statistics, when black men are statistically less has less of a chance to get a job than any other demographic in the United States. It's like, how do we have, how do we have privilege? Because if the situation is, if the situation is that we have privilege, we wouldn't be in this situation. You know what I mean? And so now where, where my problem came in is that you had a bunch of bitter women. I'm not, I'm not going to hold my tongue on this one. You had a bunch of bitter black women who, who came in and said, black men have privilege, but then it came into a black men, it made it seem like you guys were just going in there to bash black men for what reason and when i thought about it i now realize that a lot of these people don't identify with their blackness and i'm just gonna be straight up because it's like if you identify with your blackness you're not if you're identified with your blackness first you're not gonna sit here and say black men have more privilege or they're they're the white men of the black community because if they were the black if they were the white men of the black community then if that's the case, the black culture shouldn't be like we shouldn't have what we have right now. You know what I mean? In terms of us living in a lot of low economic areas, we should we should be up. We should be econo- economically almost as equal or more equal than the white man. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, how do you now tell me we have privilege? And so, well, well let's, let's let's hold you at that point. I guess so. Their argument would be in the in the because I think someone asked that as well. Their argument would have would have been well. They're not saying that you are the white man, but they're saying in terms of like the hierarchy in the black community, you are more privileged than the rest of the community. And and, and then another example that they used was all right. So with all these killings going on that, that happened in the black community. Everybody can name all the black men that got killed, but they can barely name the black women that got killed. They can't. They can't name um, the black transgender people that got killed and things of that nature. So, if they were to bring up that argument to you, how would you respond to that? If you were on that stage, like some people were, and we're getting, we're just getting bashed about it. Because my my problem is once again, people are people are identifying with their secondary identity first. Like it's like let's say for example, if we found out. Three, four, five, six months later, that George Floyd was was transgender. Would that make a difference that a black man was killed? Would that make a difference? Like, and it's not for me, and this is not me saying that other people, like other subgroups in the black community aren't important. But what I'm saying is that the part of part of the reason why we are the way that we are is because we don't band together. Like, if you look at if you look at the situation, let's take Martin Luther King Jr. for example. Martin Luther King Jr fought for the rights of all African Americans. He didn't give a shit if you were transgender, gay, straight or not. The fact of the matter is that if you're black and you're getting oppressed, you're like I'm fighting for you. And at a certain point, he moved his movement not just from fighting for African Americans but fighting for impoverished people. You know what I mean? So it's like the problem is that and this is why I said a lot of people are bitter. A lot of people want people to identify with their pain and their hurt because they want to feel that people are there for them or people people can relate to them. And explain what you mean by that. Like they want the people want to because I know like obviously like a lot of the a lot of the rhetoric that was happening was coming was a direct effect of people's traumas, experiences, and the pain that they're still going through. Yeah. So like when they're when they're I'll say like lashing out or, or expressing their feelings when someone like either disagrees or doesn't or doesn't see eye to eye with what they're saying, it shows. Yeah. So I feel as I feel as though. You'll explain. You can explain in a minute, but I feel as though like a lot of it 
comes from people not being fully healed. And then, like you said, also, um, people aren't identifying with their, they're identifying, like you said, with their subgroup before they identify, identify with the actual blackness is within the community, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, I think that people, I think people just want, people want to feel heard and people want to feel like they have a connection with somebody. People want to feel sympathy. Um, I think a lot of people just want to understand that they've been heard and people people are listening to you in terms of what you went through. And so when you see a lot of situations where... Excuse the sirens in the background. Yeah, sorry, we're not, we not in the hood. This is just some, it's probably like Christmas lights or whatever. But anyways, besides the point, but like when you go, when you, when we look back at how the black community was before, like we were very, 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 very conservative. We didn't like gay marriage. We didn't like homosexuals. We didn't like a lot of different things. And so what do you mean before? I think, I think our community still in, 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 in the grand scheme of things, you really look at our community as a whole, I feel as though it's still not much has changed when it comes to that stuff. I think not the, saying that we aren't accepting, but I'm saying as a whole, like, I feel like it's still like, if you were to go to your, sit at the table with your, 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 your aunts and uncles, they probably wouldn't approve of some of the stuff that's going on as opposed to maybe you sitting down with your cousins and stuff like that, that are our age, they may be more accepting. Yeah, I think if you talk about like an older generation, of course, but I think that before when the older generation was younger, they were very, they were not, they were not having it. You know, like us now, it's like, we've realized that a lot of that stuff is not really our business and it doesn't really hurt anybody, you know? And for us, it's like, because we were raised on a previous, like we were raised by an older generation that didn't have tolerance or we're even uncomfortable with things like that. Of course, we're gonna have some rhetoric. We're gonna have some, some, um, some comments that may not be right. And I mean, I'm admitting that that's not right. But at the same time, I think we also need to rationalize the fact that we grew up with a generation that was that didn't see any of that, and they were told something completely different. Like, look at the black community. We're told primarily that HIV/AIDS is spread from homosexual from from homosexual sex, right? Yeah. Obviously, like, there's other ways you can get HIV, right? There's plenty of other ways to yeah. have it. So it's like, obviously, if you're a homosexual, people are going to be like, okay, he might have AIDS, or this might have, I don't want him being attracted to me because that stuff is scary. I don't know what happens. And so people get scared of that. And then now when we come to this generation, where you have somebody coming up, they're struggling with their sexuality, they're struggling with a lot of the things that, you know, like, they're coming into their own, but they don't know how. It's like, and you're getting made fun of, of course, that's going to hurt. Because it's like, you just want to feel included. You know what I mean? And so what happens now is that you grow up with that hurt. You have that hurt inside of you. You never really had a chance to express it or even go to a therapist and talk about it. And Mm -hmm. now you're now expressing that like black men are the same people or have the same privilege as white men. But that doesn't make sense to me because it's like, think about it. You're saying that black cis, cis, whatever, whatever the hell it's called is like, oh, they're they have privilege. They hate black women. They hate this. They hate that. But it's like, yo, like, y'all wouldn't be here partially if it wasn't for black men. Like, you still need a black man for y'all to be born and talk about this. So how do you now hate on the same people that partially brought you into this world? Like, and that's where my problem comes in, where it's like, you're not appreciating the fact of throughout all the nonsense that black men have struggled with. This is not me saying that black women don't go through struggles. No, I'm not saying that. I don't need to give no more goddamn disclosures because y'all get the point now. But it's like, after all the stuff black men have gone through from since the time we've been we've been dragged to this country till now, the fact that you can now open your mouth and say that we have the same exact privilege as the same people 
that put on hoods and almost killed um, Malcolm X, that killed Martin Luther King, that killed all of our leaders, or, you know, we have the same privilege as the same people that have essentially destroyed our communities and destroyed our continent back home. It's disgusting. Like, Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because I feel as though... I don't think they were necessarily saying that. I don't think that was their point. And when they, when they, when they made that, that quote or that statement or that room, um, let's take let's take white people, say and all these other races off the planet Earth. It's only black people. Mm-hmm. It's just us. No other race. Only black people on, on planet Earth or whatever it may be. Or do are we still as black men? Are we still the most privileged? Are we at the Are we at the top of the chain? Are we Are we do we, will more stuff be be allowed for us, or do you think that whole rhetoric changes if it's just us? If it's just us, as in like the black community, not just men. I'm talking about it's just only the black community. If we're only talking about the black community, the black, I do. Oh, ooh, that's a good question, actually. Oh, um, because I feel like that's the perspective that you're gonna have to put it in when it comes to that rhetoric that they're making. If we're talking about the just the black community is here and everything else is the same. No, 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 no. The only black community. There's no other races on planet Earth. So it's just it's just us. And they're, we're going back to the title of the room that was black men are the white people of the black community. So do we still now include everything? Like, do we still include how today's society is? How today's society is? Then hell no. What do you mean, hell no? Because so you don't, you don't, do you think we have black men, we have more privileges than everybody else in our, in our community? No. Like, think about it. The only time we're really respected or we're really known or people actually give a shit about us is if we're in the entertainment industry or if we have money. Like, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. So we're in a room and and it's um I don't know any scenario, any type of job scenario, whatever it may be. You have a you have a black a black male, heterosexual male. You're a black woman. Mm-hmm. You have a black homosexual male, a black. Homosexual woman, transgender, whatever, whatever it may be, you go down the line. Mm-hmm. In that order, who do, who do you think one's gonna be the most respected in the room? Two, who do you think's gonna gonna have the most say in the room when things go wrong or right? And who do you think's gonna the blame's gonna go to when it comes to all those people in the in the room if something bad was to happen? Who if who? Well, if anything happens, the black man's gonna get the most blame. I think who has the most say? I think that. The black woman would have the most say, and I think that um, being, the signs are blowing me. But. I know I'm not going to hold you, but being black homosexual and black transgender, I think that they would—I wouldn't say that they would have as much say, but they would definitely have a very, very strong point of view. Um, I think that Do you think they would be at the top of the spectrum or bottom of the spectrum. Be honest. Based on how today's society is, I think that they would have—they would have a higher. They would have a higher point. They would have a higher voice than a black man would, just based on how today is. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. We like we look at it just because of the fact of like they're gay, but it's like, or they're transgender. But I'm looking at it from a standpoint of the LBGTQ community has a lot more. They power have a strong. They have a strong. They have a strong voice, but I think they have a strong voice because they. They've been fighting to be heard. I don't think it's just because they have a. You know what I'm saying I feel like I feel as though. Their voice is so loud because it has to be so loud. If it what didn't have to be that loud for them to fight for the respect, they wouldn't be the things that they're going. They wouldn't have to be as loud. If that makes sense. No, I get what you're saying. I think like you have a point on that, but that's why I'm also saying that like 
that's why I think they would have either an equal voice or a quarter step below a black woman because it's like nothing about it. Most black men, they don't really speak. They don't really express how they feel about a lot of things, right? Yeah. A lot of black men also, I mean, a lot of black men in situations like that, when they're dealing with people, unless they're really, really upset and they really, really, really have a point of view and they really think that they're right 100%, they're going to sit here and prove that point. But if everyone else in that room is going to sit here and say, we want to go this way, then he's just going to be like, all right, cool. If that's what y'all want to do, do it. But I think that when it comes to having a voice, I don't think that looking at the black community, black men don't have a voice, but black men are expected to perform at a certain level and expected to be perfect, but they don't even have a voice to concerns the means to help them become that, to help them become that version of perfection that people are expecting of them. So you're basically saying we're the ones that are held most accountable, whether whether we're right, wrong, or indifferent. Most definitely. Most definitely, I think that we're the at, we are the most held accountable. We are the most scrutinized. Um, I think that we like a lot of things that are going for us is really really bad. Like looking at a job perspective, white people are uncomfortable around black men because we at, we're statistically seen as more violent, intimidating. more or intimidating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different other statistics, even from being little black boys, where we're looked at as being being sexual or we're looked at as being a certain way, and all these different things effect on have an effect on how people look at black men now so now because of all these stereotypes for people like shitheads like tyler perry and other white white um media outlets that portray this narrative of course now we're going to look at it and see why black men are scrutinized this much but people don't look at it like that because we've been told and this is no offense to anybody like the black like the the lg the lgtbq community plus important yeah plus they have a voice Women need a voice. You know what I mean? But when it comes to men, oh, no, men are trash. You guys have everything that you want. But it's like you're including us in a spectrum with people that designed a system for people that look like you and me to fail. Mm -hmm. So it's like how do we get included in that when the system that you guys are basing this off of was never included for us in the first place? You know, and that's where I get upset when we have these conversations. I do, too. That's why I said I was kind of like off put by that whole by the whole topic. I mean. I understand, like, the point that they were attempting to make in terms of, like, what they were trying to get out of that quote, whatever it may be. But yeah. it's just like, you can't just say stuff like that and then expect expect black men to come in there calm and, and, and not irritated by the off-putting statement. Yeah. You feel me? Because there's a couple of guys that were, that came up there and they, and they said some things like, they're, they've they've just now, I guess, changed their ways of their old ways of thinking. I guess you could say, in terms of like the way the way society is, how to how to um, how to um, I don't even I don't, I don't know the word I'm thinking of. How to um, I guess address people the proper way. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And then people was like, "Oh, it's not our job to teach you this. It's not job." My thing is if like, if you if you're, it's one thing. I always say this all the time. This statement I always make is if if you don't know. Just you strictly don't know because you never were taught or because the society, the, 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 the surroundings you were growing, you were just never taught. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's your fault. I feel as though once you learn and then you still act that same way, then that's on you. Exactly. And then, but like people in there's like, oh, I don't need to waste my energy. There's too much resources out there. I was like, bro, not everybody even has those resources to do with. Yeah, there's the internet on me, but there's people in communities that that don't have no clue. Zero clue. And it's like this. It, this goes back to me going viral on on Twitter for for bullshit. It's like 
what does it's like okay you have this information right but how does it apply to to today's society right it's like yeah black men you have privilege okay so how does that apply to the fact that black men black men are less likely to get jobs or are more likely to be seen as predators like how like let's even assume that we had this privilege right how do we how do we apply that to the people that have designed the system to make us look bad mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like it's like if we have this privilege like i said i should be able to get a job without ease i have a muslim last name and i'm a black man i should be able to get a job with ease but we all know that's not the case i should be able to go through tsa without any problem but we all know those random searches are always, always going to happen. happen. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's like, you're telling me I have privilege, right? And you're telling me that there's this system that's designed for me to, to, be, to, to be better than black women. But it's like, if that was the case, like I said, black women wouldn't have, jo- black women would have less jobs than us. Black women wouldn't be one of the most educated people. They wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be the people that have the most, the most businesses in the country. What do you mean they wouldn't be the most educated people? In a sense of like, I think, I think I, I heard a statistic somewhere. I could be wrong. Um, I'll look it up in a second, but I've seen a place where it's like, obviously black women have higher education than black men. No, they do. I'm just saying like, you're saying that they wouldn't be the most educated. I I mean, they still could still be the most educated. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that in a sense of like using the, the, the example of having the privilege because okay. most people don't get into those. Most people don't get into schools because of the fact of, we're more likely to get suspended. You mm-hmm. get suspended, you're less likely to get into a good school, or you're less likely to go to community college, all these other different things. So it's okay. like for me, it's like I'm looking at it as like if this privilege existed for black men, then one, the community would be better. Two, a lot of the things that we complain about, yeah, they would be there, but they would be less of a problem. And I just think that it's just it for me, I just look at it as I think that the problem is that. Most of these people that have said a lot of this stuff, yeah, I think the biggest problem is one, they can't touch, they can't come at white people the way that they can come at black men. So they just do it because it's easier. How do you, how do you think this can? Because like like you said, with all, everything that's going on that's been going on just this year in twenty twenty, um, even like twenty nineteen and years prior, and all the marching that we've did recently, like um, the riots that have happened. The, the camaraderie that we saw, the camaraderie that fell apart. Why why do you feel as though we can't come together as one people? Like you like there's there was moments in time where I was like, all right, maybe we're going in the right direction, but there's always then there's always those flashes where it's like we're back to square one where we're we're so divisive and, and we can never see eye to eye. And it's just it's 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 frustrating because you can see every other group of people like coming together for a cause, whatever it may be, and and, and they don't they don't put each other on the forefront as much as like I feel as though our community maybe maybe it's just because we're in that 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 um that algorithm we just see all that stuff but I never hear like counterparts talk about how they put each other down in the public eye or whatever it may be like it's always it always it always seems as though like black men and black women are always like battling for something whether like right wrong or different, we're always we're always at odds with each other for something. Like we never can just it always like oh something bad. But well, y'all don't have as bad as us. Well, it's one party saying you don't have as bad as us. Well, yeah, we do because of this whatever it may be. Why can't it just be like all right, we we're both at odds in the situation. We're both at the bottom of the barrel in the public eye. So why don't we do something to change that instead of being people talk about crabs in the barrel all the time. That's what we being to each other crabs in the barrel. Because at the end of the day, if we still fighting and clawing each other, there ain't no change gonna ever gonna ever gonna come. 
ever gonna come if, if if it continues to be like this. Nah, you're you're right. I think the biggest problem is that we're still trying to play struggle Olympics, and I think part of I think a lot of African Americans' identity is the fact that we are the oppressed. Like when we think of black, we don't think of we don't think of Cleopatra, we don't think of Mansa Musa, we don't think of all these famous. We don't think of how great Africa was beforehand because that's not what we were taught. Mm-hmm. But then when we do think about it in America, we think of Kunta Kente. We think of, uh, we think of once again, Boys in the Hood. We think of Tyler Perry films. Mm-hmm. We think of all these different things of where, we sh- where we're shown black people's identity has to come with struggle. Like there's never been anything that has shown us that we can be black without struggle. Yeah, and, and not to cut you off, but that's crazy to think about. Like even, even like... When you make it, there always has to be some type of struggle story for it to be certified or validated. For African American, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That has to be some type of struggle story or, or, or something that you went through for it to validate it as being, oh, yeah, you deserve to make it. Yeah. Or if not, oh, you was a spoon fed motherfucker. Like you ain't had to choke. Like you had to struggle for people to respect you, which is crazy to me. And that's the worst thing about it. It's like, like it's okay. It's okay for you to to not have to struggle. Like you don't have. Like I feel like I need to, that rhetoric has to. Has to change, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's people that do struggle and go through things, but you do not have to. Like, you do not have to struggle to be successful, whatever it may be. And that's the biggest thing. It's like we like. Let's... And, and, and by struggle, I mean like you don't have to have some crazy story behind exactly. your success. Like, I, obviously, everybody faces like some trials, tribulations, whatever it may be, but you don't have to have that ultimate struggle story of you being this or you being that or or act as if you did to to be a successful person. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, just look at Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He had no struggle. His dad gave him a million dollars to go make businesses, and he's never looked back since. A lot of a lot of these white the Waltons, um, um, the guy who owns Starbucks, all these people, their kids, they, yeah, Jeff Bezos, like their kids are not going to struggle. You know what I mean? Um, the Bill Gates, like Bill Gates' family, they're not going to struggle. You know what I mean? They're gonna go, yeah, my dad was Bill Gates. You know what I mean? And it's like once again, it goes back to the concept of like we have been put in a system where we were like we're in a system where we're meant to struggle. And so that's why it's like a lot of music artists in the black community, like rappers, R&B artists, all this stuff, like all of, most of the things that we talk about is struggle, struggle with girls, struggle with drugs, struggle with all these different things, yeah, violence, all this stuff. And it's like, it comes to a point where it's like, we wholeheartedly believe that we cannot be black and struggleless. Or if you make content that's not about that in terms of like, I'll say hip hop, for example, it's like. It's like you said. It's not valid. It's like, oh, this is some this is some mainstream bullshit. Prime example, um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover went to school, went to NYU, studied psychology, studied film writing, wrote for Thirty Rock, went on Community, went on all these shows that black people never heard of. But now, you know, once he started rapping, people didn't take him seriously because he was a black boy with nappy hair and a weird voice. You know what I mean? And then once he started really hanging out with ASAP Rocky, Young Thug. All these different people, Twenty One Savage, and you know the whole internet movement came out, and you know the whole emo phase came out. Yeah, Gambino played a part in it, and he kind of just basically ran with it. And now people are like, "Oh my gosh, I love Donald Glover. He's the best." But it's like he didn't like. Yeah, he he has his own. He's had. He grew up in a in a relatively difficult upbringing. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like he went to school and did the right thing, and he's had a successful career. Very successful. Yeah. So Very it's like. Successful. It's like, so why is it that, like, we always have to automatically turn into a struggle Olympics? We never hear about the fact that Donald Glover 
Um, he, I think he had an adopted brother or his parents didn't really have a lot of money like that. You know what I mean? It's like, we never hear about that from him. It just talks about, these are the things that, these are the things that I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, we always have to bring up the fact that Jay-Z, Jay-Z is also known as Blanco in the streets. We always have to bring up the fact that Chief Keef killed niggas. We always have to bring up those things. And it's like, part of, like, I think we need to change the story of the black community of us just thinking that we have to have these struggles, killings, all the stuff around us. Like, you can grow up in a suburban neighborhood. Not, this is not me dismissing anybody's story, but I'm saying, like, we can have pe- black people that grew up in, in a suburban area or grew up in a very relatively peaceful area and still be successful and still contribute to the black community. And that should be okay. And the reality is that it's not. And it sucks. And that's why, like, we are the way that we are. Like, struggle shouldn't be a part of our identity. And, yeah, that's just... That's just I want to say it. struggle shouldn't be a part of our identity because that's part of our history, our natural mm-hmm. history. But, I mean, I, it's it's not a necessity. Be, I feel as though this day and age doesn't necessarily be a necessity for for people, especially if you don't come from that background. You shouldn't have to pretend that you do. Yeah, no, I, I, when you put it like that, yeah, in terms of American history, yeah, but I look at I look at it from a standpoint of world history. Like, yeah, but I, yeah, if we're talking world history, yes, but I'm talking from a perspective of me, you, you, we're black, Ameri- African American males. You feel me? That's yeah, that's part of our struggle is part of our history, but in the in, in, part of our part of our overall history, but yeah. in terms of like personal history, necessarily it may not apply to you. You may not come from that background, so you shouldn't have to pretend that you do. Yeah. And I think that's a that's another thing. Um, I don't think people need to pretend that they struggled. Like even people that we know, they pretend like they like yeah. me and Shan talked about it before. People pretend like they struggle. It's like nah, bro, you ain't really you didn't struggle. You can't re- necessarily relate to what some of these other artists or rappers are talking about because you grew up in a in a four or five bedroom house household. Your parents had good jobs. You feel me? And, and you you well off yourself. It's okay to be well off for yourself. You don't need to. Respect doesn't necessarily have to. Respect and struggle don't have to go hand in hand. Exactly. In my opinion, like in my opinion, you should get respect for for being well off. Like, exactly. all right, you you good. You don't got to be where I'm at, whatever it may be. Because I guarantee the person that is at the bottom that's really going through it, they wish they was in your position. And, and what's funny is that I'm not I'm not trying to start no struggle Olympics. I'm not trying to start this conversation. But it's like it's funny because it's like. A lot of Africans say the same thing about a lot of black people. A lot of Af- older African parents that I've talked to, um, older African adults, they've always said that, like, a lot of times African-Americans look like, you know, they always want to be hard. They want to be gangsters. They want to be thugs. They want to be in that environment. And it's like they're not putting themselves in positions to get themselves out. It's not me saying that this is true. But it's when it's like when you come to the kid who grew up in in Mullica Hill and he want to walk around as if, you know, He's a thug or, you know, he he's about to get robbed in a corner. It's like, bro, like an African parent will look at you. It's like, yo, I just see I like I just seen you come out of a four bedroom house mm-hmm. and you have your own room. Mm-hmm. Not not trying to compare, but it's like there's there's people in Africa that have to share one bed with their parents and have four brothers and sisters and they have to share one bed. And it's like you're pretending to act like you're from a struggle, but you're not from the struggle. And that's a problem. It's yeah. like, why do you want to be associated with struggle? And so for me, like being like African American, an African American male being African, it's funny because it's like I do look at this stuff and it's like there's a lot of parallels that I see between a lot of African Americans and Africans. That's why I say it's just like if we come together, fix all the shit that we need to fix, it's we have leverage. And 
until we do that, it's like there's nothing that we could really, really do, to be honest with you, because we're going to continue to contribute to the system that's not trying to help us succeed while there's a whole continent back home that we could all find some way to reside on. And we're not doing anything about that place. Nice. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, let's let's get into the Faces of the Future song of the day presented by MBT Faces of the Future. You can check us out on Twitter at MBT the Future, and also you can check us out on Instagram MBT underscore the one percent for all your updates. And also check out our website at mbtfacesofthefuture.com with blog updates and everything that's going um, new in the Faces of the Future community. Um, the song of the day comes from CBM Raw. Um, by the time y'all hear this, it'll all be released. It'll already be released. Um, his 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 newest single titled "Bucks." It's it's a big record. Um, he's been working real hard on it. He's he's part of the MBT team, so we're very proud of him for this drop. So it's CBM Raw Bucks. Yeah. Greek freak, I go off of the bucks. Eat sweet, he don't want it with us at all. Low key, and I keep my shit tucked. Designer belt, got my shit feeling stuck. It's told you real when you was not good in your hood. I ain't more good in your hood. I, I be out there smoking with killers, I'm good. Stuffing them grands in the wood. I had to switch the flow. I got a grip, a pole. You not my man's, my bro. I let this clip unload. Stay in the cut, I be low key. Nigga, you don't fucking know me. I was out working the night shift, pitching that. White shit, up on my lonely. Uh, I got some family down north side. I got them ties down west side. If you out there, bitch, come correct. Cause you might get your chest fried. Pop on the perk for the best high. I'm about to give her like 30 rounds. Shorty don't even know my name. But she claims she love my sound. She only want me, I'm popping now. She heard my name buzzing inside the town. Louis V, Louis V, Louis V. She thinks that I'm up, she gon' come to me. But she was not out in the cold with me. I can't stand that shit. I can't. Like a bitch that don't even got her own, but got her hand out shit. Got her hand out shit. Remember them days when I didn't have nothing. Nowadays, I can fuck her and her cousin. Her cousin. Niggas be capping and niggas be bluffing. They get in the gym and they sing David Ruffin. That's why you catch me in back of the party. I probably got a big tool in my hip. One of my songs, now shorty a dancer. Shaking that shit, she keep shaking it fast. Free freak. I go off of the bugs. He's sweet, he don't want it with us. Low key, and I keep my shit tucked. Designer belt, got my shit feeling snug. How was you real when you was not good in your hood? I ain't more good in your hood. I be out there smoking with killers, I'm good. Stuffing them grands in the wood. Once again, that was CBM Raw Bucks. Check him out, man. Follow him on all social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else at CBM Raw, man. Um, up-and-coming artist out of New Jersey. Part part of the squad, man. We real proud of him. He, he, he's putting that work in, man. My young boy, man. Facts, facts. Very proud of him. Let's get into the let's get into the next topic, man. Since we on, since we on, um, what are we talking about? There there's a um post that surfaced of a of a of a Caucasian girl. Um, she, I think she said she committed to Spelman, was yeah, it? She, yeah, she's going to Spelman University. She's going to Spelman, and she put out a, a, a long, a long, long post about how she's happy to go to Spelman, to learn about black history, being black culture, was all a dream of hers, and she got, like, crazy backlash about it. Like, people were, like, 
really upset about it that she was attending um, an HBCU. So when you first saw it, did you put much value into it? Did you really care? Do you think do you think it's an issue in the first place that people that aren't in that aren't black or African American are attending HBCUs? How do you feel about um, these types of situations? Um, I'll get it two ways. Um, I think that one, I don't think people should be upset like about it because one, I'm not saying every school does it, but I'm pretty sure Howard and I'm pretty sure Spelman, they definitely were founded by white people or they were inspired by or named after white people. So it's like, my thing is that we're upset that she committed to Spelman, but it's like, we're all like, we have a historically back college. Yeah. That was open for African-Americans, but it's like, they were still founded by White but people. but but people would say those 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 universities were were made because we weren't allowed in those in the PWIs at the time. We weren't there weren't spaces for us, so these spaces were made specifically for us. And now today, it's 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 an ingrained part of our history and our culture. And, and these places are were created for us to learn about our history and culture. So when when people are upset, I mean, I guess I can see why people be upset. But like you said, in the same in the same light, um. When you, I'll just use football for example because I'm a football player. There's a lot of white football players that go to HBCUs and nobody exactly. speaks on it, whatever it may be. My initial reaction to this whole situation, I thought people were overreacting in my opinion. But, I mean, I see why they could potentially be mad. But my initial reaction was just like, all right, cool. You're a Caucasian girl, white girl going to HBCU. That should be the end of it. But I think where the whole problem came was that whole caption she made in the post. It made it seem as though it was like a a trendy thing to go to HBCU as a white person or or like it was like fetishized in the sense to go to an HBCU and I, I could see but based on the context of what she said in the caption, but in the same thing I still think it was blown out of proportion in my opinion. It was blown out of proportion. Um I get where people come from. Um I mean, obviously like I'm I'm a part of a D nine organization and I think like this is a this is like a parallel to like letting white people into into D nine orgs. How do you feel about how do you feel? I never asked you. I don't think I never ever asked you that. How do you feel about those things happening? To be does honest, does it does it make you feel away? Does it does it make your the people on your line and your frat or whatever it may be other frats feel away when things like that happen? If you want me to be honest with you, like my my biggest observation is that most of these white people join, and like my biggest thing is that most people join fraternities because they they honestly just want to party or they want some type of clout. Um, they, they're looking for something. Um, I know I said, I shared this before on the podcast, but like when I joined, I genuine, like people don't believe me when I say this, they, they say I'm bullshitting, but like, because you know me, it's like, I really wanted to join an organization because I wanted to make a difference in the community. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to go out and I wanted to have a network and a space where I could do what I wanted to do on a bigger level. Granted, like, I've accomplished some of that at, like, when I was at Rutgers, you know, like, and I have, like, bigger ideas for that later, um, but I think that a lot of people do join because it's a frat, it's a thing that you could put on your resume, and so when we allow a lot of these white people into our spaces, it's like, okay, cool, it's like, you let them in, we give them hella love, he's a white boy, he could stroll, he could, he could move his shoulders, he could step, do all this other stuff, right, and then when they graduate, you never really hear from them again, mm. you know what I'm saying? And they graduate, and it's just, it's yeah, he's a white boy that joined. But now, let this be a black uh, a black boy joining a uh, a white. That's what I was about friend. to ask you. Yeah, That's what I was about to ask like, you. Look at that. It's like most of these black kids, they're the token black kid. 
they're used as a the diversity diversity thing for their org, and it's like yeah. there's a lot of other things. I think I think I look. Yeah. I'm not gonna say I look more down upon that as opposed to the um opposite of the spectrum, but I feel as though it rubs me more the wrong, wrong way when black males or even black females they they want to join white sororities or fraternities just based on their history and what they did to two black people back in the day, like in universities, things like that. Like oh. in and like in their founders of or were like the founders of those of those ors were racist ass people. Yeah, no, that's facts. Um so why would you wanna why would you wanna join something like that? Um because most like it goes back to what I was saying about the the, the chat the the clubhouse shit. Like most of these people don't grow up in a like they don't grow up in a place where they're accepted by black people. I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I can I can make an assumption that a lot like for example with the chat house thing, I mean clubhouse thing, I guarantee you most of those people were uncomfortable around a certain demographic of black people. And it's all very similar demographics, right? And they assume that's the norm. So now you go, you grow up in a in a white in a primarily white neighborhood you're around the white kids, they make you feel like the the good black kid that's not like the rest of them. And you see and you see the rest of them and they're not like you. They don't like for me, for example, like I'll use myself as an example. They didn't like anime, they didn't like Naruto, they didn't like they didn't listen to Lupe Fiasco, they didn't listen to like Linkin Park, all that other stuff. So it's like, you know, you gravitate towards the white people that like that stuff, and it's like, oh my gosh, like you're com- more comfortable around white people than you are black people. So now when you end up joining these orgs. It's like, oh my gosh, I see white people, they're drunk, oh, they they do all the same things that I do, they like similar things, and then it's just like, you 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 start to think about the stereotypes as well that you've always had about certain black people, oh, they're stuck up, or like, if a, if a black girl joins a white orc, oh, most of the most of the D9 girls are stuck up, or most of these most of the D9 girls are arrogant, they're this, they're that, they're this, and you go to a white orc, and these girls are... Just, like they're not even arrogant they just full of themselves like they're just into themselves and it's like you go there and you join and it's like you only join because you're comfortable around them not even because of the fact of like you really want to join you just want to go somewhere where you feel like you belong and so now you it's like feel accepted yeah and so now like instead of you learning how to unlearn and relearn stuff about your blackness you're just like okay well there's white people it's just i'm comfortable around them it seems cool there's good connections. Like I'm sure like I can get a job from them. Yeah, it's cool, but it's like you're still gonna get treated like the token black kid. And that's a problem. Like do I you have, think mm-hmm. do you think the ones that are treated as the token black kid realize that they're the token black kid? Or do you think that they're just they just feel like they're that person, like that dude or that girl in the frat after no, just you saying? No, I I I only use my personal because sometimes I feel as though some people don't realize it. Sometimes if you want to tell them that they're like, "Nah, Johnny or Jobo, they like me for real." It's like, "Nah, bro, they really don't." If you were if you were around when you weren't, if you hear what they say when you're not around, then it's like. So I'll use the story time once again. Story time with Moose. So I have people that are close to me. I'm not going to mention who joined white orgs. And it's funny because the same exact thing happens to both of them. One of them went to school in the northeastern area. Um, in short, he wasn't home. Um, his frat was throwing a party. 
And what ended up happening was that um, they were doing blow. The, the white kids were doing blow in his room. White boys and the white girls doing blow in his room. They were selling drugs, all that stuff. One of the packs that they had fell in his room. I don't know what happened after that. Next thing you know, there's an investigation. They went to go check his room. Found a Coke. Right there. He didn't know. He was a president at the time. And he had to go through an investigation. And they put all the blame on him. Mm. All the blame. Granted, he got out. He's doing well for himself. Nigga's chilling. But it's that's when you realize your blackness, right? Yeah. It's the same thing that happened. I have another friend. Went to Rutgers. People who, people who know him know him. They know the story. Same as that thing happened. Ended up being a legitimate legal situation. And he almost got in deep shit because of it. And it's like, my thing is that once that happens, when you end up being a token black kid, it's cool for the pictures. But once shit it's goes It's cool down, for the pictures. I don't think it's cool for the pictures. I'm talking but... about the pictures to the rest, of the, the rest of the people across the country that are part okay. of, oh, wow, okay, they, okay. Got a, they got nice diversity. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, but it's okay, like, okay, once okay. shit goes down, then white kids are not... T- the white kids are pointing the blame at you. Like, oh, no, nah, it, it was Terrell. He did it. He's the one who does blow, man. No, nah, it wasn't me. And the next thing you know, it's like, damn, what's, what's going to happen? And it's like, you'll be lucky if you really, if you really know how to set yourself up, you're going to get out the situation. But it's like, most of these kids don't really give a shit. They just give a shit because you're part of their org. And it's the same thing with D9 orgs. It's like, we don't give a shit because like, we genuinely care about you. We just give a shit because you're in my org. If you weren't in my org, I can tell you right now, in my, like, in my chapter, I probably, out of everybody I talk to, I probably talked to a total of like 15 people within the past three years. And I have like over like a hundred something people in my chapter. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I learned all that stuff. Yeah. And it's not to say like, don't get me wrong. Like I love my chat, but I'm just saying that from a standpoint of like, if I wasn't in this org, would we really be talking? And it's the same thing that you have to look at. It's like same thing going back to like the whole. So, so how do you feel when people say for that, just for that point example, like how do you feel when people say, Oh, you just, you paying for friends pretty much. I'm not paying for friends. Because if I was paying for friends, that's 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 a that's a that's a rhetoric and, and, and thought process that a lot of people say. Like, why would I join the order? Why would I pay for friends? Or I can just make friends, whatever it may be. And then it goes to the point like you you went through that your process, whatever it may be. And now and now you say you only talked to fifteen out of a hundred of the people in the last three three years. So what would you say to people that like have that thought process? Like, what was the point of even doing it if you're not even you got? Because I'm not gonna say you guys don't help the community because I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that you guys do to help the community, whatever yeah. it may be. But like. Isn't that whole? Isn't the D nine all this like or 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 your fraternity? The whole point of it is like brotherhood and you guys coming together to make to to to, to uplift the community and do your do your part in the community to to make it a better place, whatever it may be. Yeah, no, we still do that. It's just that like one, a lot of the people in my chapter are older. You know what I mean? Okay. And it's just like other people have different interests. Like just because I don't talk to like people from like my chapter specifically, like I have plenty of other like bros that I talk to. Like, okay. I have like bros that go to Rowan. Like I talk to I talk to them niggas like all the time. Like those are like my brother. Like I don't even consider them like fraternity brothers. Like those are like my real bros for real. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like you had like you make your friends, yeah. But that's not but that's not just because of the fact that I'm paying for it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like if I went to Rowan, for example, like I probably would be mad cool with them niggas just because gotcha. like just because of how they are. And it's mm-hmm. just like people say you're paying for friends. It like that just really depends on the type of person you are. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like if you find people who are very, very similar like you, you're always going to stick with them. Like, obviously, like I have my line brothers because of because of obvious reasons. But it's like if you're not 
if you paying for friends, that would assume that every single person you're going to talk to, I can guarantee you, if you go to every single person who's joined a fraternity, they don't talk to everybody in their chapter. They may mm-hmm. not even talk to their line brothers. I know mm-hmm. people that have crossed for probably like five, 10 years. Don't talk to their line. Like they probably have not talked to their line brothers in years. Damn. So it's like, for me, it's like the concept of paying for friends. I don't, I don't believe in that because if you're paying for friends, that means we would just associate just because. How old don't. are? You? How old is too old to stroll? <laughs> Yo, that's a good question. It's a good question. I think that if you're, whew, I think after if you done with school a hundred percent, and you know you you in the real world and you got a fam, you too old to stroll. I think I think that's how old is too old to go to um, a fraternity cookout and turn up. Uh, okay, that's different. That's different because it depends on the situation. I be seeing some people they've been out of the out of the loop for about a decade and they still be in the mix. Oh yeah, no, no. If you if you're in the mix in the mix trying to look for fresh neos to talk to, yeah, I'm talking about you. You on the university campus, you you in it now, you and I'm like, bro, not that happened. Ain't you like ain't you like a thirty clip plus and you. What's what's the, what's the deal? That happened actually. So, me and my shorty went to a me and my shorty went to a cookout once, right? Just an AK. Shout out to all shout out to all the good K's. If you know, you know. No, I said the good K's. The yes, good K's. That's if you know, if you know, you know. Anyways, <laughs> yo, don't crucify me. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But shout out to the good K's. If you know, you know. So we we went to we went to a we went to a school, and I've, it was like a chapter thing. The chapter was getting like recharted or whatever. So like we were all chilling or whatever. Next thing you know, this thirty year old, this thirty year old dude came up to my girl trying to spit game and look. I'm looking at this nigga. He said, like, "Come here." No, he didn't. Like, yo, did you eat? Like, yo, what's your name? Da 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 da. da. I'm from so and so chap. And mind you, my line brother's right here, so I'm talking to him. But I'm peeping up the corner of my eye. I'm like, yo, dude, you like you don't want to do this. Like, I, I, I mess with y'all, but don't do this to yourself. Big dude. Moose is about to be <laughs> like, full relax. effect. Big like, Moose. And she's like, oh no, I have a boyfriend. Yeah, he he's an alpha too. Like, oh. Oh, my bad, bro. My bad, bro. And I'm like, yo, bro, you're like 40. Like, you're not gonna find. You're not finding Lyle love at that point. You're not Yikes. finding. You're not finding. You're not finding love there, bro. Like, honestly, just resort to Twitter or resort to Tinder if you want. You can go to. You can go to homecoming. You can find a shorty, but bro, like, you're not gonna find no young Greek girl that's gonna want to come and mess with you. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, don't, I I know like the basics of the, of the Greek life. You know what I'm saying? You, you know it better than me. I just had to ask. You feel me? Because I be just be seeing some people. It's just like. Bro, it's time to get that, give that, not give it up, but it's like, all right, you, you, it's time to be in the real world for a little bit. You feel me? But yeah. at the end of the day, people are gonna do what they want to do. You're not facts. There's a difference between loving your org, like loving your org, and say, you know, doing one stroll. Like if you know, wipe me down, come on, you have one stroll, whatever. Yeah, Ooh. of course, everybody. I mean, I think anybody and everybody that that knows anything about like black frats, the D nine, and wipe me down yeah. comes on. It's just like it's a whole. It's like when it's like when um. What's it called? Atomic Dial comes on. You know, yeah. you know what's going. You know, you know, going, you know yeah. what's going down. You feel me? But and I try to get your thought process on that. Did you want to dive into the, the, the Grammy Spotify, or, or would you have to talk about that? Or I mean, no. I mean, we can talk about the Grammys. All I can really say is that the Grammy these people are weird at the Grammys. I Grammys can, is some BS. Grammys is weird, bro. All of it is. I mean, all of, at the end of the day, we already said we people need to make their own awards. So all that stuff. I don't have too much to say about the Grammys because. Like I said, it's 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 great to have. Of course, it's great to have because that, that allows you to up your price, allows you to, your stock goes up, all that stuff. Leverage. But but when it comes down to the creative the creative process and what's really valued in the in, in the creative community is artists know who's the best at the time. 
You feel me? Artists know, but every year somebody's always mad. Yeah. Somebody's always mad. It just, the only thing I really got to say about it is just that like, it just seemed like everything that did, everything that should have, that you should have gotten right, you didn't. And like, I even tried to make sense of it. Of like, oh, maybe, you nah. know, they put in things of like people we should listen to or what they want us to, but it just didn't make sense. Like nah. the R&B category is garbage. There was no, R&B had no women in it. The R&B category, I don't think had any women. No women won. Summer Walker dropped an album. Snow Allegra dropped an album. Tiana Taylor dropped an album. Tiana Taylor dropped an album. Randy dropped an album. Yeah. And it's just like, I looked and I'm just like, this don't make no sense. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I guess like for me, knowing what happened with the Grammys last year with the scandal going on in the background and them ironic. What happened with the scandal? So basically they hired some woman and she was trying to push a narrative for a lot of women to, you know, um, win Grammys and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening, there was like a lot of stuff going on. There was like claims of like harassment and abuse, sexual harassment. I didn't know this. Yeah. like I didn't know this. I'll send you the information, but like. Basically, the stuff ended up. Basically, what ended up happening was as a result of that, because of that that woman that was in that place. I mean, she, I think she ended up resigning, but as a result, they ended up giving out Grammys to like women. Not saying that women don't deserve Grammys, but it's like we were looking at it, it's like how are every single, almost every single category, women won. Not saying that they didn't drop any good albums, but it's like I use Best World album for example. There's no like. Angelina Kojo is a great artist, a great Nigerian artist, but there's no way that she should have won over Burner Boy, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's no reason why Ariana Grande should have won last year. I don't remember who else in that category, but something was off for the fact that she won, and she won a lot of Grammys. No, it was Lizzo, too, and Lizzo shouldn't have won that many Grammys. Yeah, Lizzo's, that was Lizzo's moment. I understand why it happened. Like, it was just her moment, but what has Lizzo dropped since? Nothing. I haven't heard nothing from Lizzo. Nope. Anything from Lizzo. Nope. Was she a, was she a one moment wonder? She probably was. I don't you think she. You think she's coming out with anything else? I hope not. <laughs> why? I mean, she's annoying, bro. Like I'm. I'm just the only reason why I'm glad she's not dropping anything is because she's also not in the spot. She's not in the spotlight. And when Lizzo is in the spotlight, she does shit for attention. Like I hate like. She, I, I didn't like the NBA game joint where, 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 where ass was all out. That joint blew me. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, my problem with Lizzo... I think she, the songs that, that popped, though, for were good records, though. Yeah, no, they're good records. But my problem is that, like, you make good records, but emphasize the fact that you're a fat girl. And then it's like, when people make fun... Like, when people they make about jokes about to get you on this one. I don't care. If you make... If, and then when you make emphasis that you're a fat girl, and then people clown you for being a fat girl, you're like, okay, so why are you clowning me for a fat girl? Because you made emphasis that you're a fat girl. Jennifer Hudson didn't make emphasis on that. Jasmine Sullivan didn't make emphasis on it. And they make beautiful music. True. And so it's like, it, it's just child, like, she just comes off as childish to me, to be honest with you. But either I mean, way. I mean, I, I hope this, I hope to see if, um, see if she can make some, another, another, like, album, another project, whatever it may be. But, I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, I got, I got a two, I don't got too much more to say about this episode. You got any, any, any last words? No, I don't got. I don't got. Oh yeah, I just gotta give a shout out to my boy Shan. All, all our community, um, send some love and prayers, man. Going through a little hard time right now, but we hope to see you on the next episode. And that's all for me this episode, man. Um, episode forty six of the Face of the Future podcast. It's your boy Mills. It's your boy Moose. Peace. Peace.